right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we're thankful for this evening. We're thankful for this time that we have together. We're, um, Lord, we thank you tonight for the, the praise that we've heard of the Sowers and, and their uh, baby father, that the, the anatomy scan went well and Father, everything's going well. We pray that that would continue, Lord, to keep, pray that you would keep everyone healthy there, Lord. We, um, we do pray tonight for Mr. Payne and the, uh, the cancer that he has, Lord, with um, the blood clot and, and on his liver. Father, we pray that you would, um, Father, work through the, the doctors and... Um, Father, working in his body, we pray that you would, would heal him of that, Lord. You would take away his pain. Lord, is, is he um, is going through chemo and, and the other treatments, Lord. And we just pray that you will be with him and, and his family as well. Lord, we do pray tonight for Aaron and Lee as they ha have the flu and are battling that. Father, we pray that you would heal them quickly. Um, Father, and... and uh, and take care of that. Lord, we pray tonight for our time together. Uh, Father, we do pray that you would teach us. Lord, you would open our minds to understand. And you would change our hearts, Lord, to transform us into Christ. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... <clears throat> Tonight we are continuing on in our study on uh, assurance of faith, and we've we've been walking through um, chapter eighteen of the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith. Um, just kind of a it's a document that it's kind of a summary of of Christian teaching, and so we we've seen as we come to chapter eighteen that specifically has to do with with assurance of faith, um, we've kind of started to walk through that chapter to look at these four paragraphs. And we saw, you know, various possibilities about uh, assurance that a Christian can have. We, um, we've seen the three grounds of assurance in, in promises of the word, in self-examination, and looking at the, the evidence within us to see that we are indeed believers. And last time we talked about the direct testimony of the Holy Spirit to our spirit. And so we've, we've walked through those. Tonight we want to look at um, paragraph 3 of chapter 18 on cultivating assurance. In other words, like how do we get it? Right? How do we, how do we lay hold to, to this assurance so we can have it? This full assurance that Scripture talks about, that, that we're in Christ, and that He is in us, and that we've been born again, and that we are children of God. How, how can we know that? How can we develop an assurance of those things? And so, to answer those questions, we're going to break down uh, this third uh, paragraph of, of the Westminster Confession into kind of five smaller parts. Um, and, and these five points that are made... <clears throat> um, in this section uh, of the confession have to do with attaining or getting or cultivating this assurance that we've been talking about. So 
Um, the, the first of these points that it makes has to do with the relationship between faith and assurance. The relationship between faith and assurance. And the confession reads this way. It says, assurance does not so belong to the essence of faith. And, and so we've, we've talked about this before a, a few times in previous sessions of this study. But what we see and what we come to find is that faith and assurance are separate things. Um, so that it's, it is possible to have true saving faith without the assurance that you do have it. This is a very sad thing. Um, you know, someone who, who should have assurance, and they are indeed a child of God, but for whatever reason, they don't have it. They don't experience that assurance. But it's also possible to have a false sense of assurance without truly being saved and having true saving faith. So faith and assurance here, they're not interchangeable. They're, they're not the same thing. Um, but the Puritans would say that true saving faith, in true saving faith, there is the seed of assurance. So true saving faith will lead to this assurance that we've been looking for. And um, <clears throat> they would often use this illustration, and there was something like this. In, in every exercise of faith, there is the seed of assurance like a little acorn. But that acorn is not yet an oak tree. So assurance belongs to the well-being of faith because assurance is like the full tree. So true saving faith, it leads to this full assurance that, that we're looking for and we're striving for as believers. So that's the, the, the first point we see here. The second point that, that's made here is that it talks about the time that's involved in, in attaining assurance as a believer. <clears throat> the, the time involved, and this is how it reads. It says, a true, believer, a true believer may wait long and conflict with many difficulties before he be partaker of it, before he has assurance. And most of the time, that's the norm, right? Is that full assurance of faith that we've been talking about is something that it comes from a good amount of time, of wrestling with faith, of wrestling with this topic. It's not something that, that immediately happens. And like we've mentioned before, God does tend to use difficulties and trials and, and circumstances in order to strengthen our faith and to further our assurance. Um, Dr. Beeky does mention, he, he said, you know, many times we can see young believers that, that might possess this kind of... Um, a certain, a, a zealous kind of a, an excitable kind of assurance, right? When, when they're, they're new believers and they're on fire and, and they've first being born again. Um, but normally as, as the believer continues to live the Christian life and, and they start to experience the, the constant presence of indwelling sin that, that remains in their thoughts 
in their actions and their, their desires. This, this really on fire, excitable, zealous kind of assurance will tend to wane a little bit because they see they're having to fight this battle over and over and over um, daily, this, this remaining sin in us. And so this person starts to live the Christian life. And man, this, this narrow gate, this narrow way isn't easy. And in the constant battle against the desires of the flesh and temptation to, to sin has, has a tendency to take that young, zealous assurance away. And so most often, the, the full, robust assurance that, that we're, we're looking for, that we want, it happens over time, being faithful, consistent, uh, persistent in the word, and in obedience. Uh, the Puritan Richard Sibbs, he said it this way, the more we grow in strength and stableness in the faith, and the more we are refined in the faith, the more our assurance will normally grow. Um, another Puritan, Thomas Brooks, he put it, kind of bluntly when he said that, he said, assurance is meat for strong men. Few babes, if any, are able to bear it and digest it. It takes time. Uh, One more quote about this from Charles Spurgeon. He said this, Some young believers make a great mistake by expecting ripe fruit upon a tree in early spring. And because that season yields nothing but blossoms, they conclude the entire tree to be barren. In other words, by expecting this full assurance right off the bat, many young believers have fallen into sadness and, and discouragement because they don't see what they're expecting to see. It takes time. Uh, Dr. Beeky in, in this study was also very sure to point out that, that the length of time, the, normally what happens is, is assurance grows. But length of time as a believer does not automatically ensure assurance. And sometimes, there, there are times God may give a, a young believer this extraordinary amount of, of assurance. They, they are in him and he is in them. But, but the norm is that, that assurance that we're talking about is something that takes time to cultivate. The third point that we see here. Uh, has to do with the, the means of attaining assurance. So now we're kind of getting into, this is the meat of the matter. Right? This is what um, the confession states it this way. Being enabled by the Spirit to know the things which are freely given him of God, the believer may, without extraordinary revelation, in the right use of ordinary means, attain assurance. And those are some really important phrases there um so this this full assurance that we're talking about is not some kind of mystical or or magical power um that comes from you know some extra biblical uh special revelation to us you know it's spelled out in the stars or delivered by the angel or, or anything like that they're saying it comes to us through ordinary means of grace or another way of saying it is through the spiritual disciplines, the graces that God has given to us 
in that way. Uh, one of the best resources that I know for study of the spiritual disciplines is Donald Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. And so if that's something you're interested in, definitely uh, I would recommend that resource to you. But then we, we look at it and we, we ask them, what are some of these ordinary means of grace? What, what are these spiritual disciplines that, that are being talked about here? And so we'll talk about a few of them. The first thing we want to look at is Scripture. Right? We, we want to be reading Scripture. We want to be listening to Scripture. We want to be believing Scripture, memorizing it, meditating on it, all kinds of things with Scripture, completely saturated and filled with the Word. This helps build assurance. We see uh, commands like, uh, a few Sundays ago in First Peter, in chapter 2, Peter writes, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word, to be in it. Uh, Proverbs 2 also has um, this to say about longing for and, and being in the word it says my son if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding yes if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures then you will understand the fear of the lord and find the knowledge of god and so this this idea of of, of searching and finding and asking and seeking in Scripture. Um, again, in a, it's a very kind of straightforward way of saying it. Um, Dr. Beakey had this to say. If you spend little time alone with God and little time alone with His Word, you shouldn't expect large dosages of growth and assurance because you're not using the book that the Holy Spirit uses to grow you. You've got to be in the Word. He also said this, which I thought was a very uh, sobering statement. To neglect the Word is to neglect the Lord. Because the Word is the Lord's. And it is in that Word that He reveals Himself to us. Another quote by Spurgeon, he said it this way. Backsliders begin with dusty Bibles and they end with filthy garments. Being in the Word. And we go in here in, in the study stresses that not only do we need to read the Word, but we've got to take it a step further than that. We've got to meditate on the Word. We've got to think about what we're reading. If we're really going to learn and if we're going to grow in assurance. Um, so by meditating on the word, we, we glorify God with our minds and our hearts. We're helped in the prevention of vain and, and sinful thoughts. Uh, it, it serves as a weapon against temptation. You think about all kinds of things with our minds. Um, you know, take the example of lust, right? It, it's pretty hard to think about Jesus 
and lust at the same time, right? That, that's not something you do. So having your mind filled with that, it fights against it. Um, and lastly, meditating on Scripture helps to provide relief when we're going through times of affliction. Um, the great thing, meditating, thinking on, letting it roll around in our minds constantly. Another ordinary means of grace are the ordinances, um, baptism and the, the Lord's Supper. And in these ordinances, the elements that are there of water in baptism and bread and the fruit of the vine in the Lord's Supper, it draws our minds to Christ. It draws our minds to Him. Third ordinary means of grace is prayer. Right? This, this idea of direct access to, the direct communion with the very God of the universe. When we think about what a, a precious Thing that what a privilege it is to be able to do that. And it was, it was a really um, illuminating thing. It was a very uplifting thing to hear Dr. Beaky talk about how precious and, and valuable this is. He talked about his father and how his father prayed for him. And his father talked to him about prayer and, and, and taught him about prayer. Um, you know, I, I guess it stuck with me in a very real way in this time in my life when we're, we're expecting Lydia soon. And, um, and, and he quoted Matthew Henry, who said this, It's far better to leave behind for your children a treasury of prayers than a treasury of gold and silver. And so to have these times of rich, close communion with God, the, the Father through hearing from Him, through his word, and then going back to him in prayer. It's so absolutely vital in order to gain this assurance that we're looking for, that we are indeed believers. One more means of, of grace that we want to mention tonight is that of affliction. Trials, tough times, um, suffering, all those things that are used by God to drive us to him. You know, assurance is the, the fruit, it's the result of, of faith that's been, again, it's been seasoned by persistence and steadfastness in, in, and through affliction. These and, and there are other ordinary means of grace. Or they're what is used by God to strengthen our faith and to, um, to build assurance in us. The, the fourth point that's made in this paragraph is uh, the confession is the duty of pursuing assurance. It's a duty. This is how, uh, again, how the confession reads. And therefore, it is the duty of everyone to give all diligence to make his calling and election sure. It is something we are to do. It's, this is coming, you know, straight from... Uh, Second Peter tells us, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. And when I was thinking about this, it made me think about the connection. Um, I think probably John Piper is the first person I ever heard put it this way, but the, the connection between duty 
and delight. Um, you know, so often in life we kind of separate those two things, at least I do, right? They're separate categories. On the one hand, there are things that are a duty, right? Things that we must do, things we're obligated to do, but we're really not that thrilled about it. Um, on the other hand, there are things that are a delight, right? Things we enjoy doing, things that we want to do. And many times those things stay separate, right? For, for example, many, for many people, going to work on Monday morning is a duty. Going to the ballgame Saturday afternoon is a delight, right? So, but however, what we see in the Christian life is that these things are not separate categories instead they they come to they're fused together right so that that reading our bibles is is a duty and a delight meditating on scripture is, is a duty and a delight attending church singing praises fasting prayer all, all of these things that that should be in the life of the, the believer are a duty and a delight not only are we commanded to do them but we Enjoy them. And seeking after this full assurance is that way as well. Same way. And the final point made tonight has to do with the, the fruits that, that are produced by possessing full assurance. So it says this, that thereby his heart may be enlarged in peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, in love and thankfulness to God, and in strength and cheerfulness in the duties of obedience. So just look at all these blessings, these qualities that are produced by full assurance, peace, joy, love, thankfulness, strength, cheerfulness, all all of these things that, that are just complete blessings in the life of a believer. And Dr. Beeky goes on, he adds a few more uh, to this. First of all, um, this assurance produces a godly contentment in our lives. It's something that is very hard to come by sometimes in this life. Being content. Being content with what we have, being content with where the Lord has placed us. Um, Assurance leads to contentment. Also, it heightens our holiness. It increases our being set apart from the world, from the culture around us. It it increases our sanctification, our, our purity, as we go through our Christian walk. And lastly, it makes us aspire to, and it makes us long for heaven where we will be with and we will worship and we will serve Jesus forever. So we see tonight this this idea of attaining, of getting this full assurance that we are believers, that we are in Christ, that He is in us through these ordinary means of grace that, that we all know. Um. And it's a persistence in that, of doing that. And it leads us to this deepness in our relationship with the Lord, and a deepness in our relationship with Christ. And it leads to this assurance that we're looking for. 
And so next time we'll come back, we'll look at, at the idea of regaining assurance in the Christian life if, if you've lost it. How do we get it back? And so we'll look at that next time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening, for this time together. We do pray, Lord, that we would seek to know that we are in you. Lord, that we are a child of God. Lord, we pray that we would um, be about these disciplines and, and these means of, of grace and that we would, um, Father, seek to grow, to know you more, to love you more, to obey you more, Lord. Uh, pray that you would just drive our hearts to you. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that you'll be with us as we go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.